Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. My name is Caitlin Mitchell, and I am your host from the blog and Teachers Pay Teacher Store, EB Academics. Now, in case you missed it, last week's episode, which is episode number 19, was all about forming community-building habits in your classroom. And I shared three simple ideas for setting a positive tone in your classroom right from the beginning of the year. And so if you didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, make sure you check it out after listening to today's episode, because they kind of go hand in hand. So today's episode is going to get you thinking about classroom organization habits that you might want to start implementing in your classroom to really help things run smoothly and not waste any valuable learning time. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast, where it's all things reading and writing all the time. Game-changing lessons and fresh ideas, along with a dose of inspiration, are shared to help make your teaching life just a bit easier. And now your host, from the blog EB Academics, Caitlin Mitchell. All right, now before we jump right into our things for today, our classroom organization habits for today's episode, I just want to say I have a little bit of a cold in the middle of summer, which is always fun. <laughs> um, so if I lose my voice or it goes in and out kind of throughout the episode, I apologize in advance. But just so that you know, if it sounds weird and not familiar on your end, um, that's what's going on. Okay, so today's episode, we have three classroom organization habits that are really, really helpful for you in making sure that things run smoothly and that you don't waste any valuable time, right? I was always taught to teach bell to bell. And so when we establish strong classroom organization habits for our students, it really helps us achieve that bell to bell teaching, that no time is really wasted in our classroom because we don't really have a lot of it, let's be honest, with our students. So I'm gonna get right in to tip number one. So there are three tips, and we'll start with tip number one. So tip number one is to figure out a process for collecting and passing back papers. Now, collecting and passing back papers can be a huge time waster if you don't have a specific strategy to do this. And so I'm going to share with you what I have found to be the most effective thing over the years. But before I get into that, first things first is I have to admit that it took me a really long time to figure out a method to pass back and collect papers that worked well. And I wanted something, you know, over the years, I was always trying to search for something that was seamless, that was efficient, that was effective, that really, really worked, right? And after years of doing all kinds of weird things that I, you know, found online or someone told me one time somewhere, I finally found something that works like a charm. And I would highly suggest that you take this exact strategy and implement it this school year because it makes such a difference in so many ways. Okay, so first let's talk about how to collect student papers and then we'll talk about passing them back afterwards. So I wanna give credit where credit is due for this for collecting student papers. This idea comes from my friend Christine at Young Teacher Love. And if you haven't heard of her before, she's an amazing elementary school blogger and curriculum writer. So go check her out. Um, at her blog is Young Teacher Love. You can just type it into Google and it'll pop up for you. But this idea came from her. And I found it probably in 2012. And I could not love anything more. Like this is just an amazing way to collect student papers. So here's how it works. 
first things first is every student in your class has to have a number in order for this to work. So if your students don't quite yet have a number, I would suggest just giving them all a number for your specific class. So if you teach, you know, five different classes, every student in each class period has a number for your class and they all get their number and their number stays the same in your class throughout the entire school year. Now that your students all have a number, you're going to go buy one of those large pocket folders that you can hang on your wall. I found some that have 12 pockets in them, um, but that was a long time ago. So I think I've only seen ones that have like 10 pockets per folder. So I had to buy three pockets because I have 35 students. So I bought three big pocket folders that I hung up on my wall. And I've always had like a homework wall in the back of the classroom. And so wherever the homework was posted is also where I hung these large pocket folders. So these pocket folders all have little numbers for each specific pocket. Well, you can probably guess where this is going to go. Whenever I needed to collect something from my students, whether it was homework, field trip forms, tests, quizzes, whatever it might be, anything that needed to be collected, I always had them place their item, their paperwork or whatever, in their numbered pocket in the hanging folder. And what's fantastic about this is that everything is now in alphabetical order which makes grading so much easier and more efficient when I go to type it in and plug in all the numbers and keep track of everything. And doing this, collecting it in alphabetical order, makes passing back papers more efficient as well, which I'll get into how to do that in just a second. But another thing that's great about this process of collecting papers is that now you will know right away who hasn't returned something or who hasn't turned something in for their homework. So there's no more waiting, you know, like a few days when you finally sit down to grade your papers where you're like, oh my gosh, student 12 is missing something. They didn't turn anything in. No more of that. You are going to know immediately that day that something wasn't turned in by a particular student. And so now you can have a conversation with them that day on their way out of leaving your class or at recess or at lunch or after school, and you can talk to them about that missing assignment. What happened, how you can help them, how you can make sure that they do turn in the assignment the next day for partial credit, whatever your policy is. And so that's just a really, really helpful way to keep tabs on student work like immediately. So there's no lag time in knowing who has turned something in and who hasn't turned something in. So again, to recap, go get a big pocket folder. Like I said, you might need three of them depending on your class sizes. Hang it somewhere on your classroom walls, number the pockets, give your students numbers, and then whenever you collect anything, have your students place that thing in their folder. Life is good. Huge props to Christine from Young Teacher Love because I just I love this. There's nothing better for collecting papers I've ever found over the years. So go try it. Okay, so now let's chat about how to pass papers back. And this is just as easy. As soon as I've collect, uh, corrected everything, so I've collected everything, now I've corrected it. I put my students' assignments, tests, whatever it is that I corrected in numbered folders in a plastic filing container. So I have one plastic filing container per class period. Sometimes I can fit two class periods in one plastic container. And so what I do is they're in alphabetical order. I put them into my gradebook in alphabetical order. And now I just easily file them into this plastic filing container in alphabetical order. 
And then what you do is at the end of the week or every other week, whenever it is that you'd like to pass student step back, I simply have my students come and collect all of the items in the folder on their way out for that day. So when I dismiss each table, each table comes up, they grab their information and their contents out of their file folder, and that's it. So there's no more walking all over the classroom, <laughs> passing back papers, no more chaos. You know how it can get sometimes when you have a million things to pass back to your students. And then you don't have a ton of stuff piling up on your desk that you need to hand back to them because you just file it into that plastic filing container. It's simple and it's brilliant. So honestly, these simple approaches to collecting and passing back papers can make your life so much more efficient and organized as a teacher. And I really want you to try it this year because I can promise you that you are absolutely going to love it. Okay, so let's move into tip number two. Tip number two is to determine a process for checking out library books. So this is if you have your own classroom library. So if you do have your own class library, you might be thinking about, okay, how am I going to go about having students check out their books? And there are many different schools of thought with this, but I do like to keep track of where our class library books are just in case, you know, there's another student looking to read a specific book. Um, I also have bought all of our class library books, so I just like to keep tabs on them. So there are two different processes that I've used in the past that work equally well. So I'm going to share both and then you can decide which one would work best for you in your classroom. Okay, so the first process is very basic and very simple. I just had students sign out their books on my whiteboard that was next to our class library. So I had our little class library and part of my whiteboard was right next to it. And that's it. So when they checked out a book, they added the date, their name, and the title of the book on the whiteboard. And then when they returned it, they wiped off their information from the whiteboard. And that was it. Super, super easy. And seriously, I think this was the best way to keep track of books that I've ever found. So classroom library right next to a whiteboard, date, name, book title. When they return it, swipe it off and it's gone. And I just, I loved it. It was very easy to like see visually right in front of you where your books were and what books weren't currently in your class library. So then the second one that I've used, the second strategy that I've used for this is in my most recent classroom, I didn't really have a whiteboard space to make use of to do this. So, you know, I was kind of taken up by some other things, so I couldn't really use this strategy. So I did everything digitally instead. And I had some, and so it was took a while to get it set up, but once I did, it worked really well. And what I did is I had some of my students stay after school to help me add in all of my library books one day into a Google Forms, or not a Google Form, a Google um, Excel sheet, a Google sheet. <laughs> Sorry, forgive me, I couldn't think of it. So I had them stay after school. They added in all of my books into a Google Sheet. And when we created the Google Sheet, we added the title of the book, the author, the genre, a date for checking the book out, and then a place for students to type in their name. So once all of the data was loaded in, that was the part that took a long time. Once all of the data was loaded in, I shared the Google Sheet in our classroom class library. So like I had a class in our Google Classroom that was specifically for this. So this meant that every student in our classroom had access to this Google Sheet. And so when they checked out a book, they found that book in the spreadsheet, they added the date and their name, and they were good to go. That was it. And then when they returned the book, they went back into the spreadsheet and deleted their name and the date. And this worked relatively well for being digital as long as my students remembered the process, that they had to go in and add their name, and that they had to go back in and erase their name and delete their name. And I will say, though, that 
of both of them, I prefer the whiteboard process just because it was right in front of you and really, really easy to remember to do it for your students. Okay, so moving in to tip number three, and that is to figure out how you are going to start and end your class period every single day, how you're going to start your class period and how you're going to end your class period. And then you need to stick with it. So make a decision and stick to it. Unless, of course, it's really not working, but we really want to be consistent. Now, the reason for this is that students respond really, really well when they have certain routines and they know exactly what's coming and what to expect from you and from your class. So if they know that every class period begins a certain way and ends in a certain way, they can immediately transition among activities and not waste time chatting or waiting for your instructions or, you know, little side conversations happening. They know exactly what to expect the moment they walk into your classroom from the, and the moment they walk out of your classroom. So that whole time that they're with you, it's very, very clear what they're supposed to do. And so if you're a member of our EB Teachers Club or you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I am a huge fan of bell ringers, or you might have heard them called do nows or bell work. And I absolutely love starting my day off or even my class period off with an effective bell ringer. And that's the key word. And that's why I put emphasis on it is that it needs to be an effective bell ringer. Can't just be any old bell ringer. And I actually have a whole podcast all about this in episode number 13. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, which is about how to create effective bell ringers in your classroom, head over to episode number 13 afterwards so you can learn more about what I mean when I say that and kind of how to set that up in your classroom so that you do it effectively. Okay, so what's great about starting class with a bell ringer is that as soon as students walk into my classroom, they know exactly what they need to do. They get to work right away. So they're generally relatively for middle school students, they're generally pretty quiet when they walk in. You know, sometimes it takes them like a minute or two to settle in and say hi to their friend, which is totally fine with me. But they eventually quiet down, sit down and get to work on their bell ringers. And since students are working on something every single day, they know that that's what that that's what they're doing. I am then able to take attendance. I'm able to get everything situated in a really calm manner for our class period together. Or if there's a student that I need to have a quick chat with, I can do that because my students have something to work on. When they walk into your classroom with nothing to do and they're waiting for direction for you, you're not able to necessarily do that. So having the bell ringers as just a calm, very clear, efficient, but also academic way to start your class period together is a game changer. I'm telling you, if you haven't tried it yet, I highly, highly, highly suggest that you do. Okay, so let's move on to now how to end your class period. So I found that it's really, really beneficial to end each class period with sustained silent reading time. So the purpose in doing this is that our class comes to an end in a really calm way. And there is so much value in allowing our students class time to read a book of their choice, right? And reading a book of their choice is a topic for another episode on another day. But ending each class period this way is simple, it's effective, and it's calm. And so you'll notice I'm saying the same things over again. Simple, effective, calm. And when you can implement organizational habits and strategies in your classroom that allow for calmness, that are effective, that are simple, that's going to make your teaching life just a little bit less 
hectic. And when it's less hectic, we are much more centered and more effective as teachers because we can actually then get to the good stuff, right? And really get into the content with our students. Now, another benefit that comes with knowing how you're going to start and end each and every single class period is that it's going to help you streamline your lesson plans and it's going to help your students know what is expected in your classroom every single day. So it's really an amazing habit to think about now before school starts or if you've already started school, maybe think about how you could implement this maybe next week if you're listening to this on Tuesday when this episode comes out. And so I really want you to think about that. What can you do to start your class period each day? And then what can you do to end your class period each day? And have those be like your bookends for every single day of your class. So if you plan it out now, then you can really get this routine in place, especially if you haven't gone back to school yet, to really get those routines in place from the first day of school or that second day of school. Okay, so let's recap what we've talked about today. So tip number one is to figure out a process for collecting and passing back papers. I'd highly, highly suggest using my idea because it works, and I swear I've tried every single other thing under the sun. Number two is to determine what process you are going to use for checking out books in your class library if you have one. And then tip number three is to figure out how you are going to start each class period and end each class period and stick to it, right? Like I said, consistency is key. Okay, so I don't want to leave you hanging with this episode, and I'd love to send you to a link where you can download three free weeks of the exact bell ringers that I've used with my eighth grade students that I absolutely love. And so you can grab those three free weeks of bell ringers by visiting, go to ebacademics.com forward slash free bell ringers, plural, so free bell ringers. And if you don't get an email with the link to download them right away, make sure you check your spam or your trash folder because sometimes emails end up there. And I would also suggest using a personal email address instead of a school one because schools sometimes tend to block emails um, that are like that, that have a download or that are from an email service provider like ours. So again, go to ebacademics.com forward slash free bell ringers to grab three free weeks of bell ringers that you can test out and see how you like them. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed today's episode and you have some great takeaways that you can begin applying this year, tomorrow, next week even. So I'll see you again next Tuesday for another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. I'll see you guys later. Bye.